Hello, this is Dr. James Greenblatt, and today we'll be mapping nutritional lithium on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it causes us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, recommendations, and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with Dr. James Greenblatt. Dr. James Greenblatt is a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine. After receiving his medical degree and completing his psychiatry residency at George Washington University, Dr. Greenblatt completed a fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry at John Hopkins Medical School. Dr. Greenblatt currently serves as the chief medical officer at Walden Behavioral Care and as an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine and Dartmouth College Geisel School of Medicine. In April of 2017, Dr. Greenblatt was inducted into the Orthomolecular Medicine Hall of Fame by the International Society of Orthomolecular Medicine. Dr. Greenblatt is the author of seven books and is also the founder of Psychiatry Redefined, an educational platform dedicated to the transformation of psychiatry. Dr. Greenblatt, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Good to be here. I've been a longtime fan. Speaking of fan, I was going to tell you I've been a fan of your work for some time. And one of the things I really appreciate about you is your ability to tell a full and comprehensive story. Can you share a little bit about the history of lithium and how it's come to be used nutritionally? Sure. I mean, the history goes back and, and way back, as in 13.8 billion years with wow. the Big Bang. So. Lithium was one of the first three elements, you know, formed in the universe. And then when the earth was formed, lithium was in the crust. And so the story of lithium as a nutritional kind of essential nutrient is that it's primarily in our water source. Hmm. And there are varying degrees of lithium depending on where you live. And it was only, um, you know, in the last 20 years where individuals started understanding that lithium is an essential nutrient um, for health and particularly brain function. So are we seeing deficiencies in lithium for some reason as time goes on? Well, nobody really understands or knows if there is such a thing as a lithium deficiency, the way we you know, understand and have names for other vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So my work, I'm quite convinced that there are individual requirements like other nutrients and in my practice of almost 35 years, I'm seeing more and more nutritional deficiencies of lithium and treating them with 
what you and I would call nutritional supplements with pretty dramatic results. So my answer is yes. I don't have research to support it. And there was some history of using lithium for neurological and psychiatric conditions. Isn't that right? It goes way back, um, you know, from lithium springs, from mm. Greece to Rome to the early uh, 1900s here. People went to, you know, lithiated springs and drank lithiated water uh, for health. And it was kind of sold originally in the early 1900s as kind of a um, a cure for hangovers and a cure for every illness known to man. And then it was only in the late 40s where it became understood that higher doses were uh, used as a medication for what we call bipolar illness. When you're using it in your practice, what are the conditions where you're primarily considering its use? Lithium is such a fun nutrient for me to talk about because as a psychiatrist, I was using lithium, pharmaceutical lithium at dosages of 1,500, 1,800 milligrams years ago. And now as a functional psychiatrist, I'm using dosages of one or two milligrams mm. up to 10 milligrams. And the three kind of buckets of uh, rural psychiatric or I would even say public health problems that lithium has been shown to be effective is suicide prevention, mm is, you know, well-researched. Uh, three major studies came out this year in 2020. Uh, dementia and the prevention of Alzheimer's. And uh, the area that uh, I've been kind of most interested on a, on a daily basis in a clinical practice is kind of irritability, aggression, and anger, and how nutritional lithium um, can have really sometimes dramatic results. What does that look like in terms of dramatic results with, because I know you work with kids, so we're saying this is even safe to work with and use with children, of course, in the appropriate dosing. But what does that change look like when you're talking about behavioral issues? You know, over the, over the years, um, you know, the most kind of powerful notes I've gotten from parents is with the low-dose lithium kind of changing this behavior. So we could take a a child with ADHD that's particularly uh, angry and irritable with significant outbursts, and sometimes the slow-dose lithium can doesn't cure the ADHD. There still might be attention problems, but it does really dampen that anger and those um, outbursts. And there's another diagnosis in child psychiatrists called you know disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. These are the very aggressive kids kicked out of preschool. And they're put on lots of psychotropic medications, five, six, seven-year-olds on three and four medicines. And, and I have found low-dose lithium to be a very a powerful clinical adjunct to treatment without the psychotropics. So when you say adjunct and as a functional medicine practitioner and somebody who really pays heed to orthomolecular practices, are you using nutritional lithium in conjunction with a number of other things? And if so, how does that combination work together? Yeah, I mean, I, I think why, you know, your, your matrix is so important. And what I've tried to teach clinicians is it's, there's not just one right. factor that we need to look at. So let's say for an irritable, aggressive six-year-old, you know, 
reacted poorly to medications, you know, lithium would be part of a multidisciplinary plan. It could be other deficiencies like uh, uh, zinc deficiency and high copper. Right. It could be food allergies or the whole host of other issues, but lithium is uh, sometimes uh, the most important variable in controlling that irritability and or aggression. What's the pathway? Like what's happening in the body that supports the results that you're seeing from lithium? I mean, we don't know. There's um, overwhelming you know, science, uh, some of it beyond my comprehension in terms of what lithium does in the body, particularly in the brain. And the kind of terms that you and I might be familiar with are things like the neurotransmitters. So mm-hmm. lithium decreases you know, glutamate and dopamine, those kind of overstimulating neurotransmitters. And lithium increases you know, GABA and serotonin, mm. the more common neurotransmitters. So that's the big picture. If you kind of delve deep into the science, you know, lithium affects all these second messenger systems, all these uh, genetic mechanisms, stimulating uh, things like a brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Uh, It it can be overwhelming looking at what literature does in the brain, and we haven't kind of pinpointed what effect has uh, bearing on what symptom. You mentioned the BDNF. Is that related to how the body processes BDNF? I've read some of your articles about nutritional lithium and looked at the connections to BDNF and methylation. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's been enough research from you know many communities in uh, science looking at brain-derived neurotrophic factor as a powerful, you know, miracle grow for for neurons. And, and lithium stimulates, you know, the synthesis uh, as well as uh, increasing levels in the serum, and that's been documented. So that is likely one of the major effects because we know as BDNF increases, a mood um, improves and um, many aspects of brain function improves. One of the things I'm really struck by in this conversation with you, Dr. Greenblatt, is that you are looking to the research and yet, forgive me if I don't put this right, but you don't have a fear of drawing from the correlative versus getting in what I call the evidence trap so that you can help people. So you're using something that can be supportive, isn't harmful, but the direct literature because there isn't a lot of evidence related to nutritional supplementation or base minerals isn't necessarily there, but you're still able to use it. And I'm wondering if you could term that in a certain way. I call it the evidence trap, or I call it, you know, how can we help people with support in ways that are correlative but not harmful versus looking only for the causative. How would you term that in terms of your use of lithium in practice? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for, you know, the whole concept of functional medicine and biochemical individualities that we're looking at individuals and patients. And I was fortunate to, you know, learn about lithium 40 years ago from Jonathan Wright and you know, being able to prescribe 1,500 milligrams and seeing the results and, and the science, and then just clinically thousands of patients being able to see the results of one, two, five milligrams, 
you know, affect the clinical uh, picture that I'm seeing. And the research has grown dramatically, but the clinical reality is, you know, we're using a natural substance with known clinical effects and at dosages that are safe. When we think about contraindications, are there any that we should be considering? Sure. I mean, I think as lithium has become more popular in the functional medicine community, integrative community, I think people are using kind of too higher doses, particularly in children. I think that we would be concerned about pregnancy mm. uh, since we don't know. And, you know, we want to make sure thyroid and kidney are, are the side effects of pharmaceutical lithium. So I think to, you know, provide a kind of medical model, we would just want to make sure that we check thyroid and kidney function. Are you then doing an assessment early on and tracking at some interval through the treatment? I haven't really found any significant changes, but yes, I would once a year look at a, a thyroid and, and kidney function at the dosages um, that I'm using. I've never seen any changes. Is there a duration involved with its use? Are you using it continually until you see it's not needed and then titrating down? Or how do you think about the time frame it's used since it's a natural substance versus a pharmaceutical? I, it really varies. You know, I have some individuals sure. who've taken it for six months and they, they stop taking it and they, they're doing okay. I have other individuals who really notice the difference. Um, it's more often people notice the difference. And those are particularly those individuals with family histories of substance abuse, mm -hmm. bipolar, um, anger, violent issues in the family. That to me has, over the years, I've kind of seen as a higher requirement for nutritional lithium. And those individuals tend to do better if they stay on it. Interesting. So, so much good information here. And I know you have training and resources for practitioners. We will link to that in the show notes. But I'm wondering if somebody's listening, a practitioner's listening, and they're thinking they have a population of children or adults who would benefit from this. Is this something that's available to work with, what would be your recommendations for how we seek out expertise such as yours for introducing this nutritional lithium? Well, I think it absolutely should be a clinical tool. There's academic research being done on, you know, irritability in Alzheimer's mm. uh, patients, you know, autistic patients, uh, irritability, so rather than the psychotropics, which cause side effects. So, there's a tremendous clinical need to learn and understand how to use lithium and not, not be frightened of it because the name is still associated with that stigma. Right. And, you know, just be careful of getting all your information, you know, on the web because I just heard a, a wonderful, actually, podcast on lithium, a traditional psychiatric group talking about the benefits of lithium and suicide prevention, Alzheimer's, but they had this little thing, but don't take lithium orotate because it causes kidney damage. And there's no research or evidence for that. So I think, um, you know, what we've tried to do, we have some courses and lectures to try to help people understand that low-dose lithium orotate, you know, can have tremendous clinical benefit, and it's also safe. Knowing that you have the ears of many clinicians right now, 
functional nutrition counselors, functional medicine docs. Is there one last point you wish you could share with so many practitioners about the use of lithium? What I heard was don't be scared of it, but is there anything else we should know? Well, we put maybe put a comma, don't be scared of it, but don't uh, get carried away with right. the dosage. Right, good so point. <laughs> I, I think if everyone had in their head that there's a, you know, to me the sweet spot is one to two milligrams is probably a maintenance dose in, in my kind of clinical assessment. So that's the place that I typically would start. And then if you have somebody with a family history of substance abuse, bipolar, or suicide, if you have someone with symptoms, so we have a family history, we have clinical symptoms of irritability, impulse control, and then we use a, a hair test, the trace element hair test, and uh, with undetectable lithium or low lithium levels, those kind of three buckets, then I think it's fine to go beyond the two milligrams and look to five or 10. Uh, over the years, I used to kind of push it up to 30 milligrams. Now I pretty much stop at 10. And most of the time, I will get the improvement that I'm looking for. And to confirm, before I let you go, Dr. Greenblatt, it is lithium orotate you're using. Is that correct? Great question to end on. Uh, most of the time, I use lithium orotate. But for many years, I used lithium citrate because mm -hmm. that was available in a liquid. And I've used lithium carbonate, lithium sulfate. So I'm convinced now that it's really not, and that's some of the confusion among practitioners. I don't think the irritate is, at these low dosages, a significant factor. I think the, uh, the amount of elemental lithium is. But what's mostly available is uh, lithium orotate. And at the doses, you know, that we talked about one to 20, 30 milligrams been using for many years, I think are both safe. And as we discussed, can be very powerful clinical tools. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Dr. Greenblatt. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, thanks, Andrea, and keep up the, the good work. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, please head over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We also would love to hear from you anytime. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can go ahead and email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. <laughs>